Hey, Playmakers, real quick before we get into today's episode, if you're one of those listeners that just cannot wait for that next episode to drop, and if you're over on YouTube and my website binging my content there, I just wanted to say thank you. It means the world to me. But just remember, the free stuff will only get you so far. So if you want my complete proven blueprint for opening a successful and sustainable play cafe or indoor playground business that is profitable from day one, I want to invite you to join me inside my signature course, Play Cafe Academy. Head to the show notes right now to get instant on-demand access to all 12 modules, your detailed pre-launch checklist, your 34-page business plan template, your plug-and-play financial model to help you estimate your startup costs and project your revenue, and everything you need to save time, money, and frustration throughout your entire opening process. For a limited time right now, you'll also get an entire month of free access to Playmaker Society, my invite-only membership created exclusively for Play Cafe Academy students who want to work with me personally to optimize and scale their businesses through coaching, guest experts, legal and operations templates, and plug-and-play resources, plus collaboration with over 220 other owners, plus so much more. Head to the show notes and choose your preferred way to pay in full or over time right now. You'll get more information on the current bonuses. You'll see some success stories of those who have gone before you and exactly what to expect when you join us inside the program. I will see you there. If you're in the play and party business and you want to operate with more ease and joy, all while making the living you dreamed of, I created the Profitable Play Podcast just for you. Join me, your host, Michelle Caruana, for Small But Mighty Tips Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays that will all add up to a big impact on your mindset, your business, and your bottom line. Stick with me to keep the passion and grow the profit in your play or party-based business. All right, Playmakers, I am back. So if you follow me on Instagram, you'll likely know that I've been out of town the last several days attending Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. And yes, it was amazing. And yes, we're going to talk about it today. And we're going to relate it right back to your indoor playground business. But before we get into today's episode, I just want to say thank you. And I really appreciate your patience in getting all of these new episodes uploaded and published just because of some logistics things that happened over the last couple weeks. I just wasn't able to stick to my regular recording schedule because I've been doing a lot of kind of unexpected travel again over the last couple weeks. Not only did I go to Detroit for the concert, I was also in St. Louis and that was pretty unexpected. So again, thank you for your patience. But Now we are going to get right back into our regular episode release schedule. And if you were here this time last year, you'll know I took last summer off of publishing podcast episodes just because it was brand new and it was super crazy and it seemed like everyone, you know, was kind of wrapped up in summer camps and things like that. But this summer, I'm not taking any time off, so you can still expect three episodes per week. Monday and Wednesday are going to be those hardier episodes. And then I usually do a quicker, you know, more abbreviated episode release on Friday with just a quick tip to move your business forward. So again, you can expect that all summer 2023, not taking any time off this year. And I also 
quickly wanted to say thank you to all of the amazing indoor playground owners, both inside Playmaker Society and not inside Playmaker Society, who reached out to me, letting me know that they would love to be guests on this podcast. So I'm really excited to record those episodes coming up and to share them with you because while I share a ton of experience and insight that I've gained over the years running my own indoor playground locations and also working with hundreds and hundreds of other indoor playground owners, sometimes it's just nice to hear it straight from that person and someone who's really in the weeds dealing with the day-to-day right now as, again, we record these episodes. So thank you. And if you're still interested in being a guest, I have plenty of room for you on my schedule. So just send me a message on Instagram. My profile is linked in the show notes. But without further ado, I think that's everything I had to catch you up on. So let's get into today's episode. So something that I've done since I became an entrepreneur many years ago is I look at pretty much every experience I have through that entrepreneurial lens. So whether I'm meeting at a restaurant, staying at a hotel, listening to music, or attending an event, I find myself always asking, how can I relate this back to my business? And what can I take away from this experience? And how can I learn from it? So if I had a great experience or really enjoyed something, I always try to dig deeper and figure out the why behind it. Because there are so many things that we can learn from small and big businesses and artists alike, and again, apply them to our own experiences. Now, I promise this isn't as overwhelming as it sounds. Sometimes it can be as simple as just noticing that a restaurant has a really great and friendly script that they give their servers that made me feel really welcomed and at ease. Or maybe it's a cool marketing campaign that an artist is doing to sell their work. You know, I'm not picking apart every single detail over here or my head would quite literally explode. But I do think that it's so important as business owners to always stay curious and always be willing to learn and try new things to see if they stick or move the needle for us. So that's kind of what I wanted to do with this episode today. And not only because I just literally can't stop thinking about the Eras Tour concert, but also, as I said, because it's all fresh in my mind. I just attended the concert this past weekend. So I wanted to share some things that I absolutely loved about the experience, looking at it through the lens of a business owner and specifically an indoor playground owner. And these are absolutely things that you can apply to your own business. So do not skip over this episode, even if you don't like Taylor Swift. I totally get it. She's not everyone's cup of tea. But again, we're going to relate it directly to your business here in this episode. All right, number one, I loved how much Taylor's team communicated and set expectations. So even though the ticketing was kind of a debacle, the actual event itself was hyper-organized, and so was the communication leading up to it. So once you secured tickets, if you were one of the lucky ones, you got explicit communication detailing exactly what to expect and when, which I think is so important, especially when you're selling tickets to an event that's expensive and that's months and months in advance. So Taylor's team understands buyer's remorse all too well, if you will, and immediately began uh, began putting ticket holders' minds at ease 
by letting them know what they could expect and when. So for example, they sent me an email stating exactly when I would get the VIP box shipped to my home that was promised with my tickets and exactly when the show would be, exactly when they'd communicate about venue policies, all of that. This instantly put my mind at ease, even though I just shelled out thousands of dollars on tickets. And let me tell you, this was not always the case, specifically with Taylor Swift. So Taylor has done something similar to VIP boxes in the past, and she did not provide enough communication about when ticket holders could expect their rewards. Therefore, I remember fans being extremely irritated that they were still waiting for their VIP stuff weeks after purchasing tickets, and they took to social media to express their frustration, and it kind of spread like wildfire. And this time, even though it took me something like six months to receive my VIP box, I wasn't worried at all, and neither was anybody else. And that's because they over-communicated exactly what I should expect, and they said I would not be receiving it until the week before my show. And this is definitely something I had to learn the hard way in my indoor playground business. I would sell tickets to an event or book a party, and then I would start working really hard behind the scenes getting ready for it. However, I wasn't sharing enough or communicating enough with my customers, the people who raised their hands and said, yes, I want to spend money with you. And that often led to buyer's remorse or a poor experience or me getting tons of messages and emails from people wondering what the heck was going on. Now, by the time I sold my business, I had learned to work out all the event details in advance and again, overly communicate with ticket holders. So there was absolutely no surprises on the day of or leading up to the event. So for example, for our Halloween event, guests would get emailed an exact event itinerary multiple times with, again, time. So this takes place from this time to this time. And we would also share details of exactly what would be occurring and what we would be serving and the games we would be playing and everything you could imagine for the entire event. And instead of hoping guests would read the fine print on the checkout page or browse our website to educate themselves on our policies, I made them abundantly clear by emailing them out multiple times prior to the event. So often, we as business owners get lost in the weeds a bit in the day-to-day, and we forget that people just aren't paying as close attention to us or our businesses as we assume they are. So for example, after I had been open for like four years, I just assumed that everyone in town already knew what we had to offer, you know, what our play space looked like, and they knew that we were a Saks-only facility, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But I was always shocked that new people were still finding us every single day and still needed reminders of these policies. Because especially as parents of young kiddos, we often need all of the reminders. So this is your sign to over-communicate. And I mean, this could be because they're moving into town, so they're literally new to your business, or maybe their child just became old enough to enjoy play spaces, or maybe they just got you confused with another business because I know even when I owned my play space, we went to all of the other play spaces and museums and libraries in our area. And sometimes it's just so hard to keep everyone's policies and rules and formats of their events straight. So again, 
This is your sign to over-communicate. And I recently learned that there is a name for that phenomenon that I mentioned just a few minutes ago, and it's called spotlight syndrome. And again, that means that we always assume that people are paying closer attention to us than they actually are. And we're going to talk more about marketing in a second, but so often people will post about their event one, two, three times, and they'll assume, you know, oh, everyone's already heard about it, or I've already posted about it a couple times. I don't want to annoy people. Or, you know, oh, I posted it on Instagram and Facebook. I don't need to email it out. But trust me, you absolutely have to utilize all of your different marketing tools and channels to sell out your events, especially before spending any money or anything like that on ads to promote your event. So you should absolutely be utilizing email marketing for every single one of your events. And if you don't have an email list, go back to episode one of this podcast. It is so extremely essential. And I got to tell you, Whenever somebody comes to me and says, you know, my events aren't really selling, or, you know, I heard your episode on character events, or, you know, it's just not really working for me to sell these events or book these parties or, you know, get a bunch of members. I always start by asking them how they're marketing. And 99 out of 100 times, it's mainly social media. And they haven't yet started an email list. Or if they've started an email list, they're not emailing regularly. And that is the lowest hanging fruit. And again, if you have not prioritized this in your business, you got to take a look at the trends. And even if you don't speak to hundreds of indoor playground owners every single week, I do. So I can tell you it is a crystal clear difference when it comes to event bookings, membership sales, party sales, between who emails uh, regularly with their list and who doesn't. That is one of the most outstanding trends that's most consistently seen in my members. Those who prioritize email marketing are much more successful. They pay themselves more. They have a lot more ease in their business because they're not scrambling last minute to sell parties or book events. So again, this is your sign. Go back to episode one and start prioritizing email marketing in your business. All right. Sorry. That's just one of probably many tangents I'm going to get onto today, but moving on to number two for now, I loved how organized the concert or event was on the day. So because of all the communication prior to the event, I went to Detroit feeling super confident and knowing exactly where I needed to be and at what time. They sent me a pictured map of exactly where to go. I knew what time everything was taking place, what time merch was going to be on sale, all of that. So again, I was feeling really confident and I was just able to, you know, get excited about the actual show. And then when I arrived at the stadium, I was super happy to see that the same level of care was happening at the venue. There were very clear signs everywhere you looked. The lines moved quickly. It was very organized and all venue staff had been prepped with answers to common questions. I didn't see a single person become frustrated or confused. And let me tell you, that is rare for a huge concert like this. I have had some absolute nightmare experiences in the past, especially with the venue staff just having no idea what's going on. And what I loved is that Taylor's team was coordinating and blending so harmoniously with the local venue and uh, the staff and vendors there. I'm not sure if it was as seamless behind the scenes, but attendee facing, everything seemed great and running really smoothly. 
it was clear that the venue staff was given explicit instructions and was communicated to clearly as well because they were completely on the ball the entire time. So for example, if a merch item was out at one stand, they knew exactly where to direct people who really wanted one specific thing. So they would say, you know, oh, go to section 114. They have that sweater or, oh, we're out here, but you know, the stand at this section over here has more size selection. And if a drink was out at one bar, they were ready with a suggestion to help. Taylor's team had so clearly learned what worked and what did not work from the first several shows of the tour, and it was now running like a well-oiled machine. And if a team at that level can recognize and learn from their mistakes and continuously adapt to make their customers' experiences better, then so can we as indoor playground owners. There is no shame with having an event that has bumps along the way or making mistakes. Again, it just comes down to learning from those and pivoting. And that brings me to number three. I loved the amount of upsells that they had at the actual show. So like merch, drinks, stuff like that. And this may be an unpopular opinion or I guess like a hot take, whatever you want to call it, because I know that some people who spent that much money on a concert hate to be further bled of their hard-earned money when they arrive at the venue. However, as a business owner, I loved it and I got so many great takeaways. And I saw everybody walking around with bags just bursting with merch. And this was not, you know, cheap merch. A very basic hoodie was like $75 and a water bottle was like $25 and a really simple little bracelet was $30. So these were not cheap. But again, I really didn't see anyone without a merch bag in their hand. And before I get into some of my favorite upsells at the venue, I want to point out that none of this was required or even necessary to have a good time. There were plenty of ways to avoid these upsells or find cheap or free alternatives if someone wanted that. So like, for example, if you didn't want to spend all the money on you know water at the venue, you could buy a water bottle and fill it up at a water fountain. Or I think they were even letting people bring their own empty water bottles in to fill up. Or if they didn't want to buy alcohol at the venue or something like that, people were tailgating and drinking in the parking lot, or they can go out after the show. So again, none of this was necessary or required. They were just experience enhancers. And as someone who has planned and saved for this concert as if it were my wedding for almost seven months now, I was ready to spend money at the venue. And I was willing to spend that extra amount to, again, enhance my experience and also remember it forever with the merch and extra purchases. So let's get into some of my favorite things to buy at the venue and how you can get inspiration from them to make more money in your indoor playground business. So the first was a drink passport. So they had all of these different really cool themed events that were based off of songs or lyrics or eras of Taylor Swift's. And they were all really cool. They came in, you know, some of them had souvenir cups, like a mirror ball cup um, and things like that. And I just thought it was so fun. So not only was it encouraging people to, you know, spend more money and try new things, they were very Instagram friendly. So I saw tons of people taking and posting photos and getting other people excited who maybe have a concert coming up, but it was just really fun. So they handed out these little like postcards 
And whenever you would purchase a drink, they would mark it off. And, you know, you don't need to consume 12 drinks to mark off the passport. You could uh, have them non-alcoholic if you, you know, you can even pay a little bit less for that. Or you can share your passport with your friend group or whoever you were there with. But it was just really fun. And it kind of gamified the entire experience. And it was also kind of cool because only certain bars had certain drinks. So you kind of had to walk around the stadium to almost like treasure hunt for all of these really cool different drinks. And I recently saw an indoor playground um, participating in something like this. So one of my Playmaker Society members, Aloe in Saratoga, um, I'm going to link her Instagram in the show notes if you want to go ahead and follow her. She is amazing, but she's doing an ice cream passport and she doesn't have, you know, all of the different things in her business to be able to do this herself. So she partnered with a lot of the other local businesses in her town that sell ice cream. So what somebody can do in that town is, again, pick up their passport, and then they go around supporting all of the different local businesses in the area that serve ice cream. So she's just one stop on that passport. So if you have a full cafe or something like that, you can make your own drink passport and, again, gamify your customers' experience, incentivizing them to spend more money, and honestly have fun while doing it. Or you can partner with other local businesses in your area. Maybe it's a play passport with all of the different museums and play spaces, or maybe it's a coffee passport or something like that. This is something that can really bolster your local economy and your own business. So just think about it. And then number two, obviously, was the merch. So I love that there were some merch pieces that were tour exclusive. So you could not get them online. You couldn't get them anywhere else besides at the venue. And people were willing to spend way more money on those items because of that exclusivity factor. And they also had early merch lines. So even if somebody didn't have tickets, they could still show up to the venue. I think it's like the three days before the show and they could spend their money on merch if they weren't able to get tickets or if they just didn't want to deal with it on the day of. So they made it very, very easy to purchase merch and i.e. spend money. So the takeaway here is the easier you make it for people to spend money in your business, the more money they're going to spend. And they did also have online sales, again, for people who were not able to make it to the tour. So while the online sales didn't have the tour exclusive items, it was still a way for people who were just not able to attend to still, again, spend their money with Taylor's team. And then third, there were also convenience items that you could purchase to, again, enhance your experience or just make it easier. And this is great for anyone who is traveling with kids or someone like me who, you know, had to fly in or maybe people had long drives home, but you could purchase premium parking. You could purchase VIP tickets that gave you early access. So we had VIP passes. So we got early entrance. We ended up not parking. We just walked from our hotel. But I thought it was really smart that they gave early entrance to people who bought these VIP more expensive tickets. And my husband actually pointed this out to me. He said, you know, wow, this is really smart. You know, they're allowing the people who spent the most money on their tickets and maybe have a little bit more wiggle room in their budgets or more disposable income to spend. They're letting them in the venue four hours before the concert starts. So they're going to be buying drinks. They're going to be buying food. They're going to have plenty of time to buy merch. So I thought it was really cool that they were not only rewarding people that were spending more money, they were giving them even more easier opportunities 
to continue spending more money. And again, this isn't going to work in every single business, but I was saving up money for a long time for this. And I planned in advance for this. And again, I knew there was going to be tour specific merch. I knew we were going to get early access because again, bringing it back to point number one, I was communicated to so specifically in advance. So I could plan for it. So I could, you know, put away a little bit of extra money for this. So that kind of ties into that over communication, which is so necessary to a flawless event experience. But now we're moving on to number four. And this kind of also ties into that. And Taylor rewarded her biggest fans. So not only when it came to, you know, spending more money on tickets, sure, you got more perks. She also rewarded her fans who have supported her from the beginning. So for example, when it came to ticket sales, If you had tickets to Loverfest or a previous tour, Loverfest was unfortunately canceled due to COVID, you were prioritized when it came to sales for the Eras tour. So you got verified fan access and you were able to enter the queue earlier than, you know, somebody who didn't have tickets. So again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a money thing. You don't always have to reward people who are just spending more money with you. You can reward them based on loyalty as well. So for example, if somebody was a founding member or something like that, you can reward them by locking in their membership price for the amount of time they retain their membership. Or you can give your founding members early access to summer camp registration and event registration or other perks or sales or things like that. So again, you don't necessarily have to reward people based on the amount of money they spend, but maybe how often they share your business on social media, or you can reward people if they write you a review or something like that. So just keep in mind, it often helps to incentivize people to, again, do these types of things. And I thought this was a really cool way to do the ticketing process. And in the past, Taylor has rewarded people who have downloaded her songs or have purchased merch or things like that. So there are all different ways to implement this in your business. All right, now let's talk about number five. And this will be the last point for today, but I'm sure I'm going to think of more as the day goes on or the days go on. I still honestly feel like I'm in such a haze, a lavender haze, again, if you will, full of puns today <laughs> from the concert. So Um, these were just the most standout takeaways that I could come up with. Sorry, I distracted myself there with my little pun. (laughs) All right, number five, and this is the most important one, and that is to over-deliver. This is such a key concept to any service or entertainment-based business, yet so many still overlook it. If you're going to charge a premium price for an event, you've got to deliver. And ideally, again, you'll over-deliver. So for example, if you want to charge like $35 or more per child for an event, that family's experience and the value that they get need to be aligned with that price. So many indoor playground owners I speak to or who message me on Instagram, and I've talked about this plenty of times before on this podcast and on my YouTube channel, They'll cut all sorts of corners in the opening process in general, or they won't invest in refreshing their space, or they'll do really basic, simple events, and yet they'll look over at some of their peers or some of the people that I feature, and they'll say, well, how come they can charge those high prices and see their events or their parties book up, and I can't? 
or they'll constantly cancel events due to low interest and wonder why their once loyal customers stopped booking events altogether. If you are unreliable in delivering your services, people will return the favor and they'll respond by unreliably patronizing your business and signing up. Now, I do have an entire podcast episode. It's number 153 about the decision-making process I went through when I was deciding whether or not I should cancel an event because sometimes it is absolutely necessary. But nine times out of 10, canceling an event and disappointing people who were really looking forward to it will harm your business more in the long run than losing a bit of money on holding the event anyway and rewarding those who raised their hand and said, yes, I want to spend money with you. If you have low registration for an event, use that as an opportunity to record a ton of social media content or take a bunch of pictures that you can use as marketing assets to make sure your next event is more successful. In the last few weeks, especially, again, because May and June are really, really slow months for a lot of indoor playground businesses, I've seen a lot of owners on social media basically blame their customers for having to cancel an event and get a little sassy. Like they'll post something like, well, you know, if you don't choose us, you'll lose us. And they place the blame on anyone but themselves and their planning and marketing strategies. Now, I have a bunch of episodes about marketing your event so they sell out. But one of the most important factors, if not the most important factor, is advertising early. And I already talked about utilizing all of your different marketing channels like social media and email marketing and maybe creating an affiliate program and things like that. But advertising early was always, always my secret sauce for making sure my events sold out. Because a lot of times people are coming to your event page anyways, and maybe they can't attend the event that they were seeking out, but hey, while they're on that page, maybe they see 10 other events that, oh, they didn't even hear about. And you want to take advantage of that traffic. And again, advertising your events early and having as many events open for registration at any given time as possible is so crucial to a successful event business. We started advertising our events at least eight weeks, but ideally 12 weeks in advance, which was one of the only reasons we were able to see really high booking numbers without any ad spend. That gave us time to post, email several times, et cetera, to make sure everyone in our little universe heard about it and had sufficient time to plan, invite friends, share about it themselves, all that good stuff. So often owners will see an empty weekend slot or something like that. And, you know, they'll throw an event on their calendar two weeks in advance and they'll get a few families really, really excited and they'll buy tickets and then they'll turn around and cancel due to low registration and punish the people who have spent money with them. And I always wonder, you know, what did they expect? I know for my family, our weeks are planned well in advance, especially our weekends. And with little kids, I just can't do things last minute. It really irks me when I see owners punishing those loyal customers who have paid them money by canceling, because many times that will be the last time that customer will ever do business with you. Because again, you've proven to be unreliable in following through on your end of the deal. 
which means they definitely will not be trusting you with something even more important, like their child's birthday. And in particularly busy months for families like May and June, which happen to be slower months for indoor playgrounds, you know, we're just crazy busy already. I know, you know, thinking of my own family. And unless we've planned for something well in advance, again, it's not happening. And this may seem heavy on the tough love, but I'm saying this to you because it's true and because I want your business to succeed. Sugarcoating isn't really my style and it certainly won't help your business grow and improve. And you might be thinking, well, Michelle, you know, that's easy for you to say. Hindsight is 2020. So of course, looking back, I can see exactly what worked and what didn't. And to that, I say, absolutely. That's the whole point of this podcast and my programs. I don't want you to have to utilize trial and error for years to figure out what works when I have already made all the mistakes and learned all the lessons. Again, not just through my own experience, but from the thousands or, well, I guess it's thousands now, thousands of indoor playground owners I've worked with over the last five or six years. My entire business now is about helping you reach success quickly and with more ease and less stress so you can fail way less than you otherwise would. So again, if that, you know, or this episode seemed a little harsh, it's because part of me is yelling at 2016 me who was struggling to sell at events and getting really frustrated that my customers just weren't willing to spend the money I needed them to on tickets. But again, I figured out that it was my problem. It was my marketing and not them. I wasn't advertising early enough. I wasn't utilizing all of my channels. I wasn't emailing enough. So again, if it feels like I'm being a little harsh, it's because I'm talking to an older version of myself sometimes. All right, I got off on another little tangent there, but if you are constantly canceling or under-delivering, maybe special events just aren't your business superpower or Maybe you prefer to be more of a value-based business when it comes to events. That's fine. Just make sure the price you're charging is aligned with the service and experience you're delivering. So back to the concert, there was so much backlash and outrage over ticket prices before that first show. It was a major news story nationwide. But once that first show happened and people realized that They were not only getting two amazing opening acts, but also three and a half full hours of Taylor Swift and a 44-song set list from her. Suddenly, the prices made a lot more sense, and people didn't mind paying anymore. The production quality of the concert was absolutely unreal. Her team clearly invested enough and put enough into the show and really took the time and you know, effort to put thought and care into the event and a wow factor into the experience that they felt comfortable charging those prices. And after that first show, resale prices skyrocketed because people were absolutely willing to pay for that elevated experience, which was in line with the prices. So if you're charging, again, let's say $35 per child, that's absolutely fine as long as you're delivering. And again, I prefer to over-deliver. So if I'm promising X, Y, and Z with an event, I always try to give attendees A, B, and C plus X, Y, and Z just to be absolutely sure these events and parties were creating raving fans that would stay loyal to our business and 
also shout their positive experience from the rooftops in the form of reviews and social media posts, leading to more and more event bookings and more and more sales. Like for example, for our Halloween event, I would say, okay, we're going to be doing you know, a costume event from 11 to 12, and then we're going to be doing a themed snack from 12 to 12.30. Then we're going to be doing a really fun craft from 12.30 to 1. And then we're going to be, you know, doing X, Y, and Z, whatever it is. Sometimes I would throw in extras like goodie bags that weren't part of the event ticket, or we would do an extra game, or maybe there would be a special guest, or maybe we would over-deliver when it came to the actual food or things like that. One of the reasons Taylor has such loyal fans is because even though she sells to them every single chance she gets, she is a true capitalist, she rarely slips and lets fans down with what she actually delivers. So they now have a trust bond with her and are more than willing to hand over their hard-earned money and enjoy it. A lot of people are hesitant to charge those higher prices and invest a lot into their events because not everyone in their community can afford to go. But here's the thing. For one of our events, we would we we would consider it a success if we sold 50 tickets between two time slots since we always worked a great profit margin into our ticket prices. So even if you live in a smaller town with, say, like 5,000 families, That means you still only need to sell to 1% of those families if you're like us and aim to sell 50 tickets. You don't need to appeal to every single family or accommodate their budget and schedule. So keep that in mind as you plan and give yourself permission to charge what you need to. You have a business to run and you have to pay yourself and you got to pay your bills and your team. You have to survive. And if that means charging $35 per child and putting on a more premium involved event, go for it. But if that means charging a lot less and doing a leaner, simpler event, more power to you. The key takeaway here, again, is that your service and the value you provide to your customers needs to be aligned with the price you charged, right? You can't charge $35 per child and then you know, have one little tray of crackers out or something like that if you're promising snacks or food. You have to make sure that you're delivering what you promised and if possible, over deliver. And even at a more value-based price point, you can still over deliver and implement this in your business. You can offer themed snacks for purchase. So maybe it's not included in the ticket, but there's really fun snacks that people can purchase on the day of, or you can make a fun themed game that aligns with your theme. It's not always about how much money you spend. Sometimes the little details like that matter. Like for example, for some of our events where we really needed customers to leave at a specific time so that we could get ready for the next time slot or a party, we would do a bubble parade at the end of the event meaning we would announce the end of the event, we would give people a minute to put their shoes on, and then the kids would run through our vestibule to exit and we would blow bubbles or have a bubble machine as kind of a send-off and a thank you for coming. This sort of thing cost just a few dollars and very little effort, and it made parents' lives so much easier because they were able to get their kiddos out to the car without a meltdown. And that is providing a lot of value to parents of young kids rest me. And a lot of people do bubble machines and stuff during their actual events. We were never able to do that because it made our floor really slippery and things like that. So 
we chose to do it this way because we were going to mop the floor anyway in between event. You know, what's a little bit of extra stuff on the floor? But people absolutely loved this and looked forward to it. And the kids looked forward to it. And it just ended the experience on such a high note. And that's really what people remember, right? You want to leave people with that elated feeling, that feeling of, wow, I would love to attend an event here again. You don't want, you know, people to leave with, you know, one kid screaming behind their left arm and dragging the other kid, you know, by their hand to the car because they didn't want the event to be over. Because again, that's the feeling people are going to remember the next time you publish an event. So did I spend way too much on Eras Tour tickets? Yes, you bet. But I would do it again because of how amazing the experience was and how elated I felt leaving the venue and how the entire experience just went off without a hitch. I would absolutely spend it again in a second. So, um, you know, if anyone has any tickets for sale for the Pittsburgh show or the Cincinnati show, DM me on Instagram because, again, I would do this again in a heartbeat. And it all came down to the planning, the execution, and the thought and investment that went into the production of the event. All right. Have a great day, Playmakers. I will see you right back here on Friday. Have a great week.